This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, April 25th, post-Blue Gold game. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson joining you here on this Monday. We're going to need a lot of time to, to cover everything that happened on Saturday. I tried to cover all of it in uh, in uh, Tale of the Tape and got most of it. But, uh, Tim, let's let's start with you. Uh, you know, I, I, obviously the, the topic, the top topic, one of the top topics will be uh, the performance by Drew Pine, which I'm sure left a lot to be desired on his part and Tommy Reese's part. Just your thoughts on him and and some general things about Saturday's blue goal game, which was won in dramatic fashion on a late touchdown by Steve Angeli. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned this on instant analysis or not, but Marcus Freeman and everybody else owes Steve Angeli for making that from the most pedestrian least memorable blue goal game ever to a really fun ending. Cause that was, uh, that, that was clearly the highlight of the entire thing. I'm surprised drew pine fared so poorly. I also don't think it has much to do with what drew pine is as a player. He's, he's known as backup quarterback. I still think he could come in and beat teams, um, every team in a emergency situation. And as soon as you scout him, if you're Ohio state, Brigham young, North Carolina, Boston college, Clemson, USC, he'd have a lot more trouble beating those teams. I like Drew Pine, the backup. He played, I mean, he played poorly. Let's Drew Pine. If he's never going to challenge you downfield, he can't make mistakes. I think you, I'm sure you wrote about that in tail of the tape, Tim. I just started it. Um, he is not the type of quarterback that can't be perfect on the little things. Cause he doesn't do the other things. That's kind of my take on pine. Yeah. It, it felt like um, really a bad version of Ian book. You know, the, the inability to push the ball vertically or the reluctance to, um, you know, not seeing over the line of scrimmage, um, you know, mobile, but not like amazingly mobile. Um, and so, yeah, it just, I know Tim, you've, you felt like, you know, Drew Pine can come in and give you a spark. Like that was not, that was not the Drew Pine that we saw, uh, on Saturday. No. And, you know, I, let's let's add some perspective here. Drew Pine went out against Wisconsin and Cincinnati and performed very, very well. We're not I'm not going to throw that out because of a blue gold game. Uh, but having said that, I don't understand where his head was from the outset when on his first pass, knowing full well what the rules were, he drops back to pass. Riley Mills shakes free, puts pressure on him. You've got to throw the football away. You're playing within the rules set up for the blue gold game. And he just takes a sack. I, I just, I thought his head was in the wrong place to begin with. And then you just can't throw passes up for grabs. I, I don't think he would. I'm not sure he would do that in, in one of the previous 14 practices. Why would you do it in the blue gold game in front of almost 34,000 people? So I don't think his head was right from the beginning. He doesn't have any chemistry with his receivers, partly his fault, certainly partly um, the receiver's fault. I guess you could throw some of that on Tommy Reese and Chancey Stuckey as well because it didn't look like they made a whole lot of progress other than Jaden Thomas, who, who, who I thought really performed very, very well for the first time you know, in, in the spotlight, so to speak. But, um, you know, I don't <laughs> – and I don't know that I clearly stated this. I didn't clearly say it in the tail of the tape. I'm not going to forget about Wisconsin and Cincinnati based upon a blue goal game. I think kind of going back to Pete's point that he's not a dynamic runner and unwilling to push it downfield. If Tyler Buckner had those same mistakes in the game, 
but also you, know, you can't do this in a red jersey, but let's say he didn't have to wear a red jersey and also ran for a 66-yard run, a 30-yard run, escaped a couple times for first downs and hit four passes downfield. You go, yep, Buckner's just got to clean up those mistakes because the, the ceiling is so low for Pine that he cannot hit the floor very often. Like you can't play poorly if you're not going to make a bunch of big plays on top of it. It's like in basketball, if you hit six threes, that's okay. You made a couple turnovers, right? Right. It, it's yeah. just, you don't want turnovers from your corner. No, he does, yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're exactly right, Tim. And he doesn't, he doesn't have the escapability and running ability in books. So yeah, I, we, we saw right. that right. when he's in the trees and, and, and again, the first, the first pass he actually threw um, was batted down by Aaronsberger. So we know he has difficulty seeing downfield and over the offensive line. He's under six feet tall. Um, yeah, I just, I just wish he would have had a better mindset going in. Now, uh, to be fair, and, and let's be fair here, he, at the end of the first half, he did some really, really good things. He moved both the blues and the golds down the field. Uh, throwing the football pretty well, hanging in there. A lot of it is skewed by, you know, the knowledge that he he, he knows he isn't going to get hit by a pass rush. Um, but I, I don't want to keep going over this. Uh, we we saw what we saw. Um, I know we'll get to segment two where people are asking about turning the page for me and book. But hey, I thought Steve Angeli Steve Angeli showed a lot of poise. Uh, under the circumstances again knowing that he's not going to get hit by a pass rush well but i thought he looked calm i thought he had a very calm and collected demeanor in the pocket i mean he did start he became live steve angeli became a live quarterback in that right Once oh right the yeah second half in the started, second right? half yeah i thought that the best thing angeli did was say this post game i saw the corners were backing off I pump faked and they kept backing off. I pump faked some more and they kept backing off. I mean, that is, that's a good understanding of how a game situation has to be handled and under duress, under pressure and in a clutch situation. It's, I mean, it was clutch for them. You know, you can, you can talk about blue goal game all you want during that moment. Everybody on that field wanted to stop Angeli and everybody on Jelly's team wanted to score. So right. it, that's, was he, it was a nice, it was a nice heady play by a quarterback. Was he ever in red in the second half? Help me out here. So he was live that yeah, I, I he was live I, the whole drive there. I mean, he could have started the second half lot red, but I don't think yeah, so. I don't, I I don't, think he, I don't when he subbed so. for Pine, they kept it, they made him red, is what I think. Now let's Pine. also point out that in those last frantic 15 seconds, he should have been he should have run two plays. Sure. If he fought, and, if and he also, fought, I think they started cheating on the clock because they wanted a fun ending. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, the clock but that was a that was a first down. He scored on first down. Now, if he falls one inch short and the clock ran out, yeah. we're looking at that completely differently because he's they should have not just he, but they should have snapped the football sure. and had at least two shots at, at the end zone. But we're nitpicking a little bit. Pete, what'd you yeah. think of Angeli? Uh, I mean, I thought he was fine. He was, he was ahead of schedule for a mid-year enrollee, but there there certainly was nothing that I came out of the game, but like, oh, QB number two? Like, no, um, no, 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 that's just like he had a good day. Probably it's significant for his offseason, um, just kind of feeling good about where things are because he's unlikely to play a ton this year. But um, he should feel good about himself. And, and I echo O'Malley's sentiment that thank God he – 
score to the end because that would have been a i mean <laughs> pedestrian would have been an insult to pedestrians um, <laughs> yeah that was a poor it was a poor game to watch remember like angeli i thought his screen passed a price i know that was mostly price but i thought that was a nice athletic yeah. adjustment so that was a nice play connor radigan was wide open i mean you got to make that obviously and, and then the dive so he had three memorable plays in a blue goal game as a early enrollee third string quarterback that's pretty good Yes, that's, that's how you got to grade it. Three memorable plays in that situation. And if he if he had hit Griffin Eifert when he was open in the end right. zone, it really would have been. That he really was open too. That was yeah, it was wide open and he and he overthrew him. But uh, you know, why don't you guys name a couple a couple of the play? I know we're going to hit this some of this in the yeah. second half, but uh, a couple of the players that that stood out to you for performing well in the blue goal game. Riley Mills from start to third quarter yeah. finish. Um, I if Riley Mills keeps playing like that, they are going to have a good defense. That is, I, I mean, more than a good defense. That's a that'll be playoff level defense because if your defensive line is good all the way across and at the backups, you're in business everywhere else. Even if you have some problems in the secondary, um, I don't mean playoff winning defense. I mean playoff contending and getting their defense. Um, second level guys that you go mm, could he be two B instead of three would be Tui Halamaka right. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, he could. It's Bauer and Bertrand, but somebody can make the calls. He could. He could back up. He's a. He. I don't think he will. I think it'll be those two. But he flashed. Um, I like Prince Kali as a strict backup to Leofau. Um, he's just got a physical nature to him. I think. I'm sure. It doesn't seem like quite as sudden as I thought he might, but he is a physical guy in there. Um, offensively, there was nothing to see, unfortunately, because it was such a bad performance by the quarterbacks. I mean, of of note, Jadarian Price was that was a nice play. Obviously, we all remember Jadarian Price, but he that's there just wasn't enough to give them a chance, really. Well, what I liked about Price was he saw when he saw it, he hit it big time. Yes, and that is did. a that is a beautiful aesthetic stride when he gets when he gets moving. And, and again, Jaden Thomas, you know, Jaden Thomas has not been in been in the spotlight at all and he responded he made uh who did he make he made ramon henderson look terrible on the yeah, 22 true. yard run and he you know i mean he just he made you talk about offense it didn't do much the, the guys that made some plays stand out i thought he made some plays Jaden thomas for sure um i mean he had a nice block on the price screen had the run had a good uh catch um i thought brandon joseph was outstanding you know for a guy that was a little bit like knocked or, or a little questionable with the tackling. I mean, if you're wiping out Audric Estime, no problem. Um, that's a great that's, play. That's a good place to be. So I, I, not that Brandon, like Jaden Thomas was a surprise to me because I hadn't really seen him do anything. Brandon Joseph wasn't, but it was just further confirmation that like he is the best safety on the team. What I like about, I mean, he's, he, Bear with me. I'm going to mention Kyle Hamilton's name, and there's no way in the world that he has that type of athletic ability. But he has that level of competitiveness and confidence. And I would throw an Alohi Gilman in there too. I think they're all kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of, you know, psychologically approaching the game. I I, I like him a lot, and he's going to be a difference maker for them. Um, you know, I think this defensive line is going to be really, really good. It's too deep. It's legit too deep. You hope that Kanana can come back from his injury, but they do have Chris Smith coming in. And uh, O'Malley, I agree with you. I mean, I think defensively, I think El Golden's going to have a really, really good defense. I thought they tackled well. I thought they played hard. 
I'm looking at Jake, Jacob Lacey busting his butt in the fourth quarter. They played hard from start to finish, and I will echo that that last drive certainly added a bit of an excitement to it that uh, that otherwise we would have come out of it feeling pretty. I want to ask Pete this because he brought up Steve Angeli should feel good about himself going the offseason, and you and I talked about on um, instant analysis. I think Jordan Botello getting the pick and doing some things should make him feel good about himself going the offseason too because he's such a – tweener we don't know where he's playing well that that should make you feel good about yourself going the offseason yeah. he probably needed it yeah I, I agree it sort of keeps you engaged there it I don't think it I don't come away thinking like oh well this now I know what his position is I still no, still no. don't know but um you know he's certainly a value add to the defense one way or the other how about Ryan Ryan Barnes was like an enforcer on the last drive he had three he had yeah. three mammoth hits I mean I said not tell tape but kind of borderline cheap shots with your, with your teammates and Char- Charlie Selna. Uh, but he, get, but he was real physical down the stretch here. Jaden Mickey flashed. That's why, you know, we said Tim in the, in the uh, post game stuff that you would like to see him come up with that pick. There was another, yeah, play where he, he would like validate everything yeah, from the spring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was, that was good stuff. Jack Kaiser is the, is, is the king of the wrap up. When, when he makes a tackle, it's, it's a, it's a fundamentally sound wrap up of the, of the ball carrier. And, uh, and I, and I like what, I like everything that he does. He's such a smart, uh, good football player, consistent football player. I think he has two career missed tackles. Well, that's pro football focus. Pro football focus <laughs> is accurate on that one. I, I, I completely agree with that. Nano Safo Mensa. I, you know, and, and you think about the times that he played. That's why I don't want all this to be based upon the blue goal game. I, when I see him do good things in the blue goal game, I think back to last season and he shows up around the ball, not all the time, but he doesn't, he didn't get many opportunities to play and he shows up around the ball. So I think that that's a ten, tendency val, validated a little bit. Did you see the move on uh, by Justin Amalolo on uh, Blake Fisher? Yeah, I, mean, I watched it. Just, it li- I remember seeing it live. He just looked, he's a valuable backup man. That Justin Adam Alola is an underrated football player. Yes. The guy can't get in the starting not, lineup not by no us, matter what not, he does. But, by other places no. he is. <laughs> but he is a he's a really, really good football player. We didn't uh, you know, Braden Lindsay, I think obviously flashed this spring, but you can't have a ball thrown your way, go off your hand and have a near interception. Those are little things that you can't be the guy that tips the ball and set, you know, puts the, the defense in a position to make a play. You know, we can go on and on about this in segment one, but we're going to have questions in segment two about all these guys. So I'm going to cut it right there and say that we'll be back with burning up the boards in segment two. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Burning up the board, segment two, we start with a question from Irish Gambler. Did you see anything Saturday that confirmed what you had been told, but you had not yet seen for yourself? Uh, Marcus Freeman told us Tui Halamaka was ahead of the other linebackers because he was a linebacker basically in high school. And he, he certainly seemed like he was a linebacker out there. I mean, he has good instincts. Um, Pete brought up Joseph. We are always, we're told about how good Joseph has been, um, in practice. And I really like your analogy, Priester of 
he's a cross between Gilman and Hamilton with more, more Gilman to his game than Hamilton, obviously, but I think he's more athletically gifted in terms of length and all that. than Gilman's a shorter player sure. that yep. really yep. made up for shortcomings with his, with his play. Uh, yeah. Joseph for sure. Um, Jaden Thomas would, would yeah. be my guy though. Like I, I just hadn't seen him do anything in the, I mean, and what we've seen one full practice and about three short hits. I mean, that, that was kind of a guy that you heard a little bit about, but I was like, okay, you know, we'll see for ourselves. And I, he, I thought he played well. I don't know that we had heard a whole lot about, about chance Tucker. I liked what I saw during that one full practice uh, that we saw, you know, I'm kind of veering away from the question here a little bit as I look at the, the, the chart in front of me, but I mean, I thought Clarence Lewis did some good things and I, and the little that we saw of him in the spring, you know, I think that he may, by the way, you got a, you got a call out Samson on the broadcast, by the way, for your, for your uh, Clarence Lewis story. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I thought he did some good things. Other guys that, wow, that maybe we hadn't seen or suspected or heard. I'm not sure. Rubio, I think we heard some good things about yeah, him. I like what, yeah, I like what Rubio did. I'm not sure how many guys fall into that category, but good question by Irish Gambler. And we follow up with Denver Maximus. What was your take on the perimeter play on offense with the wide receivers? Is there more cause for alarm and a greater urgency to find wide receivers in the portal? There seemed to be very little chemistry between Drew Pine and the wide receivers. I want to go first on this. There is not more cause for alarm. There is the exact same giant level cause for alarm to get receivers out of the portal. That's probably a good way to put it. Um, they, the open practice that we went to, they had four traditional scholarship receivers available. Um, if you have four receivers available in a scrimmage where you are playing both ways, you are not going to have much of a pass game, especially when you have eight scholarship corners available. That's, that's not really a fair fight. I mean, I was in segment one, you were talking about some of the things Angeli had done well and like, Oh, well he missed Griffin Eifert or uh, he missed uh, Connor Radigan. Like in an ideal world, it's like you're throwing to Deion Colsey or Lorenzo Styles or Joe Wilkins or Avery Davis. Um, and Notre Dame is so far from the ideal world at receiver right now. Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I think what you said, O'Malley is exactly correct. We were, I think we look at it differently. We don't need, we don't like wait to the blue gold game to make our determination. Right. Cause we're immersed in it for five weeks prior to that. So I guess maybe I expected, I didn't expect Deion Colsey to have such, such a poor day. Um, but we knew there was an issue there and we know that they're not deep there and we know that they need Avery Davis and we know that they need Braden Lindsay to continue to progress. And he, he has this spring, but I mean, there are no, nobody's deluded. There are no delusions about where they are at receiver. They need one or two guys they in the portal. They need Avery Davis to come back healthy, which I think he will. Uh, they need Tobias Merriweather to be ahead of certainly ahead of where Deion Colsey was in his first year in the program. I would, I think to put a bow on this one, if Deion Colsey caught two touchdowns and Lorenzo styles is the MVP of the game, Notre Dame would still need portal wide receivers. 
because yes. they don't have enough players. Right. Said, the perception would be the whole different. scrimmage with four receivers. We went to that full open practice. Their top receiver almost got killed by his teammate. What's going to happen when other guys are allowed to hit him? Like you need, someone's going to get injured. Two guys are going to get hurt and someone else has to play banged up at this point. You'd be dead if that happened. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think outside of the box. Uh, can, can Eli Raritan play a little bit of, I want to say W, but Samson and I have since learned that that this is something we're going to have to uh, like try to help re-educate everybody because the 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 X and the Z and the W are not called that anymore. They've shifted around, so we'll get into that at a, at a later date. But blame Brian need... Kelly for that. That's I blame the old coach for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they're. <laughs> There might actually be a little bit of truth to that, but that's not worth going into. But those those have changed a little bit. They need a guy with a little bit of, of, of size to go with. You know, look, if Lindsey is really going, if Lindsey takes a step up in the fall like he took up, like he took in the spring, if Styles continues to progress and Avery Davis gets back to being Avery Davis health-wise, okay, you have the foundation of something. Now you're going to have to, you have to double the amount of of receivers that you can count on then. Uh, but there were no there were no illusions about where they were with with the right wide receiver core. It was a problem before the spring started. It was a problem during the spring, and it was a problem on Saturday. And as they head into the head into the off season here. Next from Statman, can you reasonably expect either of the place kickers to make a pressure field goal in Columbus? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Question, very, really. You know, I one of the things that we I think we've all said that the there's some there's some real pop off the foot of Blake groupie and he, he hit the first one and he hit the second one. Well, but man, you can't miss that far wide, right. On a beautiful day in Nordheim stadium. It was a little breezy. That had nothing to do with the ball went straight and Josh Bryan missed two field goals. And I, I didn't, Tim, I didn't realize live because so many things are going on on the ninth floor of the, the press box. And I didn't realize Brian, did you see the kickoff out of bounds? They were yeah. actually on. Yeah. <laughs> they were actually live with, with Freeman at the time, and he let out an audible groan from watching the kickoff <laughs> sail out of bounds, which you knew is immediately as it hit his foot. But to to get to Statman's question, um, you know, I have some confidence in Blake Groupie because he's an experienced kicker, and the ball does shoot off his foot a little bit. But he had a in four years at Arkansas State, he was. He was a 61%. I think it was 61. It was somewhere in the 60s. I think it was low 60s, you know, conversion rate. And that's to answer Statman's question. I, I, uh, no, <laughs> not right now. Not right hey, now. If either of Notre Dame kickers get to attempt a high pressure field goal in the fourth <laughs> quarter at Ohio State, like that's a win. I don't even, it could, it, it could go out the tunnel. That is still a win that you were in that scenario. I will I will finish this segment of kickers by pointing out that Jonathan Dorr, I guess until the blue gold game, was terrible in 2019, and he had one of the five best years a kicker's ever had. But, Tim, you pointed out after that blue gold game, he turned his bad spring around into a good blue gold game, which is maybe Blake Groupie had a pretty good spring other than the scrimmage in the blue gold game, <laughs> the two most important times he was supposed to kick. Because, remember, Marcus Freeman complained about the kickers in their scrimmage that we were not yes, privy to. Yes, yes, yes. We know yeah. he did not end well, but I have a little yeah. bit of confidence that he can straighten it out. And a lot of it is, 
I mean, he's a veteran kicker. He's done a million times. It, 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 it can one day it can, it can click, but yeah. And his track record is, is that of a inconsistent kick. I'm with Pete though. I really think if groupie is kicking a field goal to go up 17 in the fourth quarter to put that game out of reach, that's a win for Notre Dame. Pete, you're right about that. That's Are you talking about the Marshall game? <laughs> From Mac three, four, one, does the play of pine increase the urgency for finding a quarterback in the transfer portal? I think the urgency for finding a quarterback in the transfer portal had to have started a while back. I, you know, I don't, I, it's nothing that I've looked up, but I mean, who's in the train, who's in the transfer portal. That's going to there. Pro- I'm sure there are guys yeah. that would, would make you better, but well, hey, do you have any sense as to that? Notre Dame may look, it's our understanding. They had some opportunities to bring in a, a, a grad transfer or a transfer and they, they chose not to now. So therefore I'm not sure that they're going to, they're not going to use the blue goal game to, to make that determination. Now you're asking a guy to come in and sit the bench, which is, yep. it's a man, you are threading a needle on that kind of yep. grad transfer. So I don't, I don't think it increases the urgency to bring one in. I don't, I don't think there's a massive amount of urgency to do it. There's not because they we we believe haven't totally confirmed they had a chance to get a couple of good ones and passed. Um, I get that you can you can interrupt the. I'm sure Tommy Reese's thought process is I don't want to turn this room over with sure. bringing in a guy that we don't want to beat out Tyler Buckner or might not beat out Tyler Buckner. So you're bringing in a guy to be better than Drew Pine, who doesn't want to play and might lose out to Drew Pine. That's the needle you're threading, Pete. Like you want okay, yeah. we want a guy better than Pine. To hell you of a guy, you're not looking pitch. for a guy to be better than Angeli. You just want to develop your third quarterback as a freshman, right? So it's all about Pine. Is who's better than Pine that wants to sit and that yeah. might not lose out to Pine? Pine Look, might just t- beat the guy out if he's that level. Tommy Reese thinks that he can make Tyler Buckner a competent. I'm talking. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of the first year as the starter. Yes, I mean a competent, fairly consistent quarterback that you're then going to build upon in years to come that's the plan he's he has to stay healthy you know I still believe that Pine is that that you know reliever out of the bullpen because he showed it last year I would have Uh, considered I wanted to if I was Notre Dame's quarterback coach or offensive coordinator I would have wanted a quarterback upgrade in the portal but I also understand the difficulty of doing it with this particular dynamic that's last year it was I don't care about the dynamic. You need to bring out a transfer quarterback. This year was, I think you need a transfer quarterback, but I get it. Is that I fair? Agree. No, yep. I, I think it's fair and I agree. Question from David Lopez five. Could you evaluate what you saw from the offensive line? Who stood out and who, who could have played better? I think we all need, I know I need a second look at yeah. the, the game because I can't write a tale of the tape just by watching the offensive linemen. Um, Couldn't read their numbers. Yeah, it was a hard. It was <laughs> That's a good point. You, if you if you looked from the press box, from the press box through binoculars, you could read them, but you sure as hell couldn't read them from the ninth floor with the the naked no. eye. No, TV was hard. TV you know, was hard too. Yep, yep. No, I, I didn't. I didn't come away from the game feeling any differently about anybody on the line. Honestly, um, you know, I, I think they have some guys who need development. Um, they have two great tackles. I think that the guard position is 
questionable, but that's how I felt before the game started. Yeah, I, I think my two takeaways, three takeaways from the spring are, I probably wanted to see Rocco Spindler take a bigger step forward. We'll get more on that in a second. I wanted Billy Strouth to play. That would have been great to know if he was going to be. Because yeah. look, there's an opening at two deep guard right away. Quinn Murphy was your two deep guard, a walk on. Um, and I wanted to see kind of Shroth push what, see what he could do there. I know we're spoiled with true freshmen after last year, but he's a he's a unique true freshman. Um, and three, the split. This I want to jump ahead because I agree with this from M. Lindbergh. Given the need for unit cohesiveness, does it really make sense to mix the ones and twos on the offensive line in the spring game? In retrospect, I don't think it does. I get well, it. You're trying to make everything competitive in a game-like atmosphere, but. No, I, I mean, I think that's a really good question, yeah. but I also, you know, there's going to be a, a time somewhere along the line, well, we saw it last year, where you have yeah. to throw a guy in there that hasn't been working with the first team. Yeah, maybe you oh. just wrote to find a way to start your line and say, all right, get Fisher out and make Lug play next to Tosh Baker on the right side for five snaps. They get get all out, move Baker and stick Caleb Johnson over yeah. there. Like, that's one way to do it. It's I don't think I, it's not just Harry. He's Stan and Jeff Quinn. I don't think most offensive line coaches look at it that way. I thought, you know, like always, I, when I see Zeke Carell at center, I think he's better at center than he is guard. You know, I think he, I think he just shows some center instincts at times, like, like peeling off one guy and coming in double teaming at the right time. Um, you know, I made a comment and tail the tape. I, I just, Spindler just looks stiff to me. Sometimes he doesn't have, I, I don't see a lot of bounce and flexibility. Um, I don't know. And, but it's, it's unfair for me to say that because I don't see every play. I thought Christophic did some good things. I thought Alt played better than Fisher when it came to pass blocking, but I'm going to have to watch it again before I can express any more half-baked ideas about the offensive line. <laughs> Uh, going back to Annie Davis, rank these performances from four being the best to one being the worst. Drew Pine, Peacock, wide receivers, kicking game. Uh, Pete, I'll let you go. I, I know. Go ahead. I'll let you go first. Uh, I will go Peacock one, Pine two, receivers three, <laughs> kicking game four. I will go uh, Peacock one because I thought the the broadcasters, I thought, did a good job. I thought Ryan Harris gave a lot of insight. I thought Tony Simeone made it roll and Caroline Pineda did a nice job on the sideline. They can't, those guys couldn't help the, I guess, Peacock also includes the audio issues that they dealt with, which were uh, unfortunate kicking games last. <laughs> yes, I would, I would put wide receivers second because Jaden Thomas, I thought really, really stepped out and played played pretty darn well. And then I put pine third, but it, maybe that's not fair. Maybe pine should be second because uh, now you can't be second with three no, he interceptions. Can't. He, he, he rallied, can't. he rallied at the end of the first half, but. Um, I'm, with, I'm with you on that one. Peacock receivers, pine kicking game. Okay. I mean, he threw three picks. I don't care. There was an offsides. That was the third pick. But he would have no, thrown a touchdown to mayor. Yeah, before the pick yeah. that got ruled out. So I think I do think you have to strike that, or you're going to give him the touchdown as well. All right, one touchdown and three well, picks. That's I good. Keep pine at number three. That's okay. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Uh, three picks in in like four series, and two of them back to back. It was it was a it was a rough stretch <laughs> that does cloud anything else he did, which is what happens in spring games, and probably should because it was a practice where Drew Pine played poorly. 
Uh, question from BL Casper. With May 1, the deadline for entering the transfer portal, how fast could you expect additions? Any rumblings of losing anyone? I have not heard of anybody uh, on from the departures, but I think as O'Malley has pointed out every year at this time for yeah. however long this podcast has existed, like Notre Dame has had somebody depart um, after the spring semester every year. So there'll be somebody. I just have no sure. idea who it is. Yeah, there'll be some of them. I just kind of, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you want them to be logical departures, right? Not like, oh, what? No, he could have he could have been in the too deep type thing. You don't yeah. want that. Uh, but there's going to be some departures, of course there are. That's hey, and maybe maybe the transfer portal causes a departure. They bring in someone in a position. You're like, well, now I'm not playing at all. That that can happen too. I mean, you you figure two guys leave and you got to bring in two or three, right? At least at least two guys leave. I would say not two. At least three guys leave, and then you got to bring in two or three. It's yeah. just the nature of the beast. Tim, you and I heard about a potential departure last night. I don't, I don't want to get into that now that that's on. And I don't love that one either, even though it makes sense. I don't, well, like, let's, I don't not, like let's not idea. talk any further yeah. about that, but um, it's not, I know Buckner, Buckner, right? Buckner should stay for sure. It's not no, Buckner. it's not, that's it's, it's, okay. it's not anybody that would be at the forefront of anyone's mind right now, but uh, you know, it, this is a timetable question. And you know, we go back to Nick McLeod, we found out about Nick McLeod mid to late. Was it, it was mid May? Yeah, it was May. So I, I can't, we can't put a timetable on this, but I, I mean, I do think that I think that I think Marcus Freeman and the staff woke up this morning saying, okay, we've got to address, we've got to address transfer portal immediately. I if think of one staff night. member that was really thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to speculate about uh, rumblings, but they have to address this immediately. We, they, they have to bring in at least one wide receiver. Um, they address the defensive tackle situation with Chris yep. Smith, which I thought was really, really important, but we'll keep you posted on that insane ND Tucson. Is it time to pump the brakes on Jadarian price and Jaden Mickey? They both had great games, but they are both early entries and really haven't even experienced a freshman grind. I don't think we have accelerated too much on the, on them. We live to Darian price. I think we'll have the fourth most touches on the roster of the running backs. And that's a great thing because they have good running backs. Maybe he'll be, maybe he'll have the third most touches because he gets the ball more in this passing game than estimate does or something along those lines. But we just love Darian price's future and near term potential. Right. I don't think it's, we're not gone beyond that. No, we're not. I mean, I Mickey's you know, future and Mickey's future. And maybe I, he can play. Next we year. went to one full practice and it was like, damn, Jadarian price is good. Damn. Jaden Mickey's good. We didn't make that up. Right. I mean, I, I, I get it that, you know, they're early entry freshmen, but they're going to be freshmen this fall, like all the other freshmen. And they have a head start because of what they went through in the spring. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's hyperbole going on with, with price and Mickey. I think they're, legit now the only potential hyperbole is how much they'll contribute as as freshmen but everybody that's seen them play and practice this this spring those two guys are good football players yeah what if uh i told you that jadarian price finished the year with 52 carries for 230 yards and three touchdowns would you say like wow what an incredible freshman year it'd be like okay well that sounds about right Logan Diggs. Logan, Logan Diggs. Diggs. That was yeah. Logan Diggs' stat line last year. Yeah. 
And I think that's that's very reasonable for Jaden Price. It is. Jaden Mickey, if you told me he started in November, that would not surprise me at all. I would be surprised if he started. I would not be surprised if he is the guy that comes in first after the other three. I think they have three corners that they really like, so it's hard to start him. Um, Mickey's, Mickey, one of, Mickey's one of them, though. Could the you J- play? Well, could you play? Hart Lewis is tough to unseat for Jaden. Uh, That's yeah, why I want. Just it would not blow me away if that happened. I'm just saying that there was there, if in the off season of like, what's your crazy zany prediction? Okay. Yeah. Like Jaden Mickey starting a game in November or multiple, it would be it. Could you play? I don't know that they want to do this because Bracey's been so good at, at nickel. But could you put Mickey at nickel and move Bracey to corner? I don't think they want to do it because I, I, yeah, Larry couldn't stop talking about Tariq Bracey at nickel. Yeah, um, no, I, I get it. But I, let me say this, Pete, with regard to the numbers that Logan Diggs put up as a freshman, I think I think Jadarian Price is a better running back prospect as a freshman than Logan Diggs was. Could be. Yeah, I mean, Diggs, Diggs surprises did, Diggs quite did, a bit, so that's that's fair to say. Yeah, Diggs did, you know, some really good things last year, but he also still has a little bit of the East-West bent in him, and I don't see that with Price. I, I don't see that with Price. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, I, I, a legit question from Insane Indy Tucson, but, I don't, I don't think we're overstating how, how good that they've been this spring. Next from Kay Beasley, and we kind of touched on this, but we can put a wrap on it. Can you go through the position groups and assess post-spring whether Notre Dame needs to address needs via the portal? Well, quarterback is a consideration. Running back is a huge strength. Wide receiver is a huge shortcoming. Um, tight, tight end, end they're fine. Yep. Offensive line, they're they're not going to go one. They're not one going one. to get go. They're fine on the defensive line now that they got Chris Smith. Um, linebacker, they've got more than enough there. I don't, I don't think that, you know, I don't, there was a time when we were talking about safety and cornerback for transfers. If you could get a, if you could get a Nick McLeod right now at corner, well then yeah, yeah you go ahead and take him. Yeah. I did a Picker, full. Somebody asked. Somebody I put asked it on there. Quick, I did a full music on this. I did a full, I went through every position groups. So. No, what, uh, somebody asked, has Nerdy ever brought in, brought in two transfer kickers? In <laughs> I literally, this is okay. Here's my categories. I'm going to poach my own story. Yes, definitely. Wide receiver, number one, wide receiver, number two, and power forward. Those are absolute needs in the transfer portal this year for Notre Dame. Um, after that, I was like, I can see the point of kicker because why not? Wide receiver number three, because I don't think I'm that far off base. <laughs> and we've talked about quarterback. It's kind of tricky. But if they brought in a good quarterback, you'd be like, well, good for them, right? That's that's what you do. And you're after that, you're just splitting hairs, right? I mean, if you brought in Nick McLeod, of course you want Nick McLeod. But if you bring in a guy that's Nick McLeod's level, you want him at every single position, and that includes quarterback, because that means he could be 1B to Tyler Buckner at that level of play. Nick McLeod was a heck of a player. Um, really just tight end defensive tackle. You already brought one in. I don't think there's a lot of dynamic pass rushers looking to back up Foskey, right? Hey, can I come play and back up you guys on the end? That seems like a fun job. Fourth end. Yeah. So that's, that's about it. Right. And we assume one of the punters can kick, can punt balls. That'd be nice. One of the two punters can come in and punt. Well, didn't, uh, isn't 
Isn't McPherson a kicker also? <laughs> I, <laughs> You're really, really going to drill down on these. I, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let it die because I, 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 I think, I think groupie, it, it could, it could click in for him, but I agree with you. We have, we haven't, we haven't seen that yet. Okay. Question from victory gin injury report after the blue gold game. Nothing serious that we're aware of, right? Not that we've heard. No, I mean, yet. Logan Diggs definitely got jammed up pretty good. Oh, his um, left shoulder. Left yeah. shoulder. Um, but I wouldn't expect Marcus Freeman to have a full update on that after the game. Um, beyond Kevin, that. Kevin Bauman, he said Kevin Bauman kind of tweaked his knee, but it wasn't serious. And so they just kept him out. Tyree, Tyree was battling. Was it ankle problems through the spring? Ankle, and All spring. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, I I was actually a little surprised he had two carries. Yeah, they really answered the bell in terms of trying to trying to get out there and compete, huh? You talk about Michael Mayer, everybody pretty much went out there and played a little bit. Yeah. I looked up and Jack Kaiser was out there late in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, Riley yeah, Mills a- was in on the last play of the game. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> we get, there's something at stake we don't know about, and I think it might be more than stake in this situation. Yeah. They really wanted to win those games. That's pretty good. You know, as far as the guys that, uh, you know, obviously Buckner will be fine and J.D. Bertrand just needs to heal a little bit. And Kane Barong's coming off the ACL. Cam Hart, uh, Jarrett Patterson, Jason Adamiola, they're all guys that are. Okay, and I, and I, Shroff should be, I would imagine Shroff is, you know, if, if spring practice or if you had a summer practice, by the time they get to summer, I, re- I would imagine that he's Biggest going to be moving Biggest question for me quite is when Avery Davis is back as a November ACL. Because he's a very important player. Joe Wilkins, though, he's not coming back. I don't think until during the season. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how you do. I thought you know we've seen we saw Davis. O'Malley, you were gone then, right? We saw Davis at a previous practice, and I thought I was was at all the practices. He was running fine. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I I thought he was running around pretty well. Yeah, but he's got to play football. I mean, that's no, I know, but it's it's April. So, I mean, yeah. I think, I think, I guess I'm saying I want him to be full strength August 1st, not, and Avery Davis is going to get worked back into the situation. I, I think I would be surprised at this point if he wasn't full strength by August 1st, he's a skill position athlete. Those guys tend to recover sooner from, from ACLs. And I thought just the way he moved around the field when he wasn't doing drills with the receivers, he was doing drills like his own individual drills next to the receivers, not Saturday, but, but previously. Um, yeah, I played, I played a doctor on <laughs> I, you, and Brian, you, know, you I, and Brian Kelly are be great at playing. Yeah, doctor. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I, I, I mean, I guess I'm anticipating a skill position athlete to be yeah. ready. Go ahead, Tim. Play like a champ seven. Do you see this offense being more like 2020 focusing on running the ball and punishing opponents in the trenches? I think that's a good question. I think the difference is that Tommy Reese would absolutely emphasize the screen game, the passing game to the running backs right. more than he did two years ago. Agree with that. In some ways, yes. Uh, but I think we'll be saying quad option a lot this fall, which is not something we said in 2020, where they have a jet sweep motion, snap to Buckner, fakes to the jet sweep, fakes to the running back. He can run it himself and then throws it. Um, I think every offensive, not every, but so many offensive snaps will have four places the ball can go. And in 2020, it's just like, let's bludgeon you. Um, 
that's yeah. there's going to be a lot it they may play ball control and not up tempo but i think the style of how they accomplish it will be quite a bit different i think the major differences are that offensive line at this point in april with no blue gold game and no practices to watch was clearly the strength of the team this offensive line is trying to go from program debilitating weakness a calendar year ago yeah to a strength of the team regardless how good jump. Yeah. Regardless how good Alton Fisher are, they're still freshmen and they're still a development, yeah, developmental process. And also Ben Skaronic and Javon McKinley were great blockers on the outside, and they're much bigger and less sudden than Lorenzo Styles and Brayden Lindsay, who are your outside receivers right now. Pete, I think you made a good point with the the quad option. That's something that they really need to take advantage of. Where where Buckner is rolling to his right, and you're thinking, okay, he's going to run, and then he throws the football. That's that's the fourth option in the whole process, and that can make a huge difference. But the question by play like a champ seven is legit because Buckner and Book both outstanding runners of the football from the quarterback position. And then we uh, we're going to wrap up with a question from our friend TJ thirty four ND. This is directed at Tim O'Malley with a follow up from Priester and Sampson. This will require a little bit of explanation, but TJ34 wants to know Mickey or Goofy? I did not see much of Goofy when I was in Disney last week. I did see Mickey, uh, but I would go with Kylo Ren probably because we went to Hollywood Studios and it was a lot cooler and seeing those Star Wars characters and things like that. And uh, we drove the Millennium Falcon, so that was fun. And you saw Mickey on Saturday too. Yeah, (laughs) I did see Jane Mickey on Saturday. But no, Mickey uh, over Goofy. I saw six dwarfs in a parade. I was wondering if one was canceled. That kind of surprised me. I didn't know what was happening there. And uh, I don't know why. I saw six dwarfs. It bothered me. I was like, why are there six dwarfs? And no one could it answer had, the question. Had a ha- maybe had a hammy. I, yeah, who knows? Could have been. That's true. Fell a down sprained the stairs. ankle. May have slipped yeah. down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> what was this? Uh, he, he tripped, but it was not late at night. He was not doing anything. He was coming from a right. football meeting. It happened right after that, and he was fine. Yeah. What The, the commentary was that... that Buckner was with a professor when it happened, when he was walking down the He's, steps. Uh, it's uh, up there with Everett Golson's uh, late to a meeting. He was meeting <laughs> so I know her name is never going to win a title, Tim. <laughs> Walk around with professors instead of your coaches. Come That's on, right. give him an NIL deal. Get your mind straight and focused on what matters mm. for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Which leads us to some, uh, we're going to lead out of this, but some comments by Jack Swarbrick about the future of college football in the mid 2030s and where Notre Dame fits in all that uh, is is doesn't sound real promising uh, and and something worth a follow up with Jack Swarbrick here in the in the late spring summer months. But uh, we're gonna let it uh, we're gonna let it ride for for now at the on the uh, Irish Illustrated Insider April 25th podcast. We will not have a podcast this Friday, but we'll be back next Monday to talk uh, more spring football and maybe move beyond uh, the blue gold game and start talking more a little bit about transfers, et cetera. We appreciate you joining us today. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.